welcome to Cunts. Welcome. I'm Ryan. And I'm Dave. And uh, we're going to discuss things in the news. This is our pilot episode. Pilot episode of Cunts. Concise, uncensored news talk show. Show. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's start with um, some some current events. It's been going on for what two, three weeks now, roughly. Oh, more than that. It seems like it seems like forever. the uh, California forest fires, and yes. I put uh, quotations around forest. Um, he did. I saw him. <laughs> there's a gentleman named Mike Tokes. It's at Mike Tokes on Twitter. Uh, just the other day, I believe it was November fourteenth. He tweeted out, I am seeing more and more videos of very strange irregularities regarding the California fires. In this video, single homes were burned down with no damage to neighboring homes. Can anyone explain this? And then it's like a helicopter shot of zooming in on, Mm -hmm. like, you'd see these neighborhoods. All the houses are up except for, like, one that's, like... Singled out. Yeah, singled out and all that. So the video is, like, a minute long, but we don't need to watch it. And then... If you click on, like, the thread of that uh, particular tweet, he posts another one that says, Another highly unusual issue with the California wildfires is the melting of aluminum and steel. Forest fires cannot melt steel beams. Also, if you look in the first photo, only the car has been damaged, but all surrounding areas are fine. Can anyone explain this? And it's a picture of a car. It is. It looks like the car's... Melted. It started melting, basically. Mm-hmm. So, like the hub, like the hubcap, the tire, the wheel part of it. I mean, it looks like it's been burned. All the glass is out. It's looks like it's been burned. But yet, there's. It looks like young. Yeah. Uh, semi freshly planted trees immediately behind it. Within, I would say, what would you say, twenty feet, maybe? Not even. I was thinking like fifteen. And untouched. Yeah, the ground n- and around it, like it, it doesn't make sense. And, and the road looks fine. Yeah, you but yet I mean? you have this melted steel that's it, it looked like it melted and then hardened. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and you see that in the next picture, and this one, it's like running downhill and all that. I wonder if we can zoom in on that. Okay, so this person, why is that? There we go. Uh, Cap and Gonzo at Cap and Gonzo. Uh, tweets out, I've responded to hundreds of car fires in my career as a firefighter, many vehicles of which were fully involved on our arrival. I've yet to witness the aluminum rims melt away in this fashion. You can bet something's up. This is not normal. Okay. Um, and he's basically commenting on these pictures that are abnormal. Right. Then the next thing in his thread that Mike, Mike Tokes posted was users submitted photos on facebook of the california fire show weird beams of light emitting from the sky causing fires destruction and property damage these look like lasers or high frequency direct energy weapons unsure what to think of this but it was interesting to note click on one of the pictures i want to see that well i'll click on each one so there's this one so now it's this one's a collage of three pictures the first picture the big one that is clearly some type of like laser beam type thing, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one on the top kind of looks like when you take a picture of something bright, you kind of get that. Yeah, like um, a solar flare too. Yeah, like a flare type 
look to it. So that one I would say, okay, we maybe not, because there is a really brightness there. Mm. But the one beneath it looks like smoke from, like, if you shot a rocket in the air. Yep, no, I agree, yep. But that could also be something from coming down, too. It's, Correct. You know, so those are weird. And then you've got these other three photos. That one looks like it could also be a solar flare type thing, mm-hmm. you know. But yet there's nothing bright in this picture. Right. Other than the beam. Oops. Oh, yeah. Then there's uh, that car again. But then there's this. Um, man, that's really small. Let me uh, zoom in here. It mm-hmm. says, Santa Rosa, California. What type of forest fires leave trees intact but vaporize homes without a trace? Appliances, granite countertops, toilets, textiles, stonework, etc. completely uh, vanished. Firefighters reported it's like we've been nuked. Never seen anything like it. On the other hand, military intelligence agencies recently announced publicly that they've been testing directed energy weapons mounted to aircraft. And uh, they've got these little duders here mm-hmm. on these like drone-type things. It makes you wonder. It does. Are they using direct energy weapons... They're attached to these drones and targeting certain things. Now, at this point, you're probably saying, some listeners may be saying, oh, conspiracy theory. Well, and others might be saying, yeah, direct energy weapons sounds interesting. But then the rabbit hole gets a little deeper because Mike Toke's next post. Wow, this is highly coincidental. It appears the California wildfires line up in the same path as the plans for the California high-speed rail system. What do you think of all of this? And I click on this picture, Dave. And it's basically two pictures. Map of California, basically. The top picture is where the wildfires are all are. Or, you know, it has the, the outline of where they're at. And then the picture beneath it has the proposed line of high-speed rail, um, you know, train or whatever system there they're going to have. And the northern part of California, San Francisco-ish area, that whole area up there is all San Francisco, Sacramento, San Jose, that whole area spanning almost the entire width of the state of California on fire. Okay? Then there's this strange line that comes in like it's well into the state of california yeah you almost have to look at the picture i'm trying to describe it for people that aren't they're listening it's almost to nevada really yeah uh, like the inner part of of california and it kind of loops down around loops around towards la and then it's another kind of thickish patch between la and san diego right down to the border okay mm-hmm. and then there's Another one coming up from, like, um, Mexico, like, straight up to, like, Las Vegas, okay? Now, that there's, there's a separate little line over there. This rail system goes all around the whole San Francisco, Sacramento, San Jose, Northern California area, 
down this inner loop of California to L.A., and then kind of does this little thing down in San Diego to the border, just like the fire path. Yep. And then there's this interesting little thing going up to uh, Vegas. Vegas. <laughs> um, path for the speed rail system. What do you think about that? I, I think it's a very high plausible It seems a little... Uh, what are the odds, I wonder, that you just happen to have these fires... That are unexplained. That are unex... Well, that started because somebody was not paying attention to their um, campfire, and it got out of hand. Okay, so this campfire that gets out of hand literally basically takes over, I would say, easily a third of the state if not more, property of, of burning. And ironically, in the exact same places they're going to, they had proposed to put this rail system. Right. And then you have these high beams coming down from the sky. People have pictures of this shit. What do you think? I mean, it just, that's almost too coincidental. Well, and we... We talked about this on one of our other shows, Think Tank, I think last year when there were a bunch of fires that were unexplained, where the guy looked like they had a video of it. It looked like the house was just split in half, like cut in half. The left side of the house was just completely gone, but the right half was fine and untouched. Yeah. Their backyard, fine, untouched, but their cars in their driveway, completely gone. Yeah. Same type of shit. How is that possible? It doesn't make any sense. It's not possible. I understand fire is weird and goes all over places. Real time. Last week, we had a fire with Frito-Lay. I don't know if you're aware of this or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frito-Lay in Canton had one of their tractors catch a fire, and because of the wind, it took out nine tractors and one personal vehicle all right next to each other. No, completely gone. Now, That's crazy. I've seen pictures of it. It's it's pretty nasty. And everything, even the ground is burned, and you can tell that there was a fire there. Like It was a natural fire. I mean... It was compressed gas and diesel fuel, but still, it's a fire. It spread. It went next door, and everything in its path was fucking tore up. This doesn't happen. No. In this case. So, then Mike Tokes continues. Another highly unusual irregularity of the California fires is the steel and asphalt bridge was on fire and buckled. I've just spoken with a firefighter who said it would be impossible for a forest fire to create this kind of damage. And there's a video kind of running in the background. Yeah, there. It, yeah. It's literally burned through the asphalt. It's like there you you can literally see the bridge beams underneath the asphalt that was poured there. Mm. It's crazy. Oh, that's neat. Good times. Um, so that's basically uh, that's basically that. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think there's more to these fires than we're being told. I think it's I think it's controlled burns, and it's for a reason. Now, I think. Everyone's heard the whole thing where many, many years ago they said, oh, California's going to fall into the earth because of earthquakes and global warming and all that crap, right? Well, that never happened. Well, if they really want to get rid of California, if the speed rail is not the way that they're trying to do it, they can burn the whole fucking place down and forest fire. Only you could prevent forest fires. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it could be one of two things. One, they were hoping that California would have just, 
you know, killed itself off, and it didn't. So now they're taking matters in their own hands. I think this was controlled because there would be no other way to clear out these spaces. Mm-hmm. What what's a what's a air quote natural way to clear out the path? Without having to buy the property back from the people, right. without having to, you know, oh, insurance will pay all these people off. And in a way, the taxpayers will just pay that through raising insurance rates. Right. And ironically, these paths are now clear. Mm-hmm. Oh, we can for, put the, for the, And then on top of it, you can, you know, we'll throw in a few other random houses here and there that are, you know, Somebody that didn't vote for us or pissed us off in one way and, and so it doesn't look, you know, it doesn't make any sense how an entire neighborhood can be fine, but one house right in the middle right. is part of this forest fire. Forest fire? Yeah, now, now, I get it. You could make the argument that, well, a piece of uh, ash or something blew over in this land of there. Okay, but that's insane. Mm-hmm. Okay? It doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. It just, you can make that argument, but that argument doesn't seem logical. Not to me, and I, I can't imagine to anybody that has a half a fucking brain right. cell to, like, rub together. I don't know. Something tells me um, that whole rail system uh, connection is is the smoking gun, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term there. No pun intended. Or maybe fully intended. But anyways, so there's that. Um, I think that's interesting. I think people should look into that more. So than just uh, pretending like it's just a simple forest fire. Uh, the interesting thing about calling it a forest fire is you see this this video I'm watching, Dave. The house completely burned, and the, and the forest right next to it that's completely not standing touched mm-hmm. by the flames. That therefore it's not a forest fire. And like that house one, fires. all the trees around their house are completely untouched. Yeah, if, if this is a forest fire, then why is the fucking house is burning, not the forest? Mm-hmm. It doesn't really make sense. You have to use common sense and logic here. And I think that's been lost. Yes. In today's day and age. We're not being logical about this. You can't call it a fucking forest fire if the forests aren't actually burning and only homes are burning. It goes to people being sheep and just listening to what they hear on the news. Yep, that's that's what they say. They'd never lie to us. So it's forest fire. Forest fire. Yeah. And, and okay, so now... Those of you that are like, okay, you know, you guys are stupid. I'm turning this off. Well, don't turn it off just yet. Because if you think we're full of shit, then I, I would love to let everybody listen to how the news is actually full of shit. Yeah. So what I'll recommend you you people do is uh, if you don't have Facebook, you could probably go to YouTube and find this. Um, I'm not sure what the video is called exactly, but... If you look up Paul Joseph Watson, mm-hmm. and uh, November 12th is the date he posted this on Facebook. So if you find Paul Joseph Watson, scroll to November 12th, you'll see a video. Uh, you'll see Jimmy Kimmel's um, bearded face standing there, and you hit play. And that's what I'm about to do. Doctored video clip. Sarah Sanders tweeted a doctored video. White House press office also put out a doctored version of the video. Doctor, 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 doctor. You are fake news. The taped video of of uh, Costa. What are you talking about? All that was nobody manipulated it. Give me a break. See, that's just dishonest reporting. All that is is a close up. 
See, that's just, that is just dishonest reporting. I watched that. I heard that last night. They made it close up. They showed it close up. When you say doctor, you're a dishonest guy because it wasn't doctored. They gave a close up view. That's not doctoring. Feels pretty good when the president of the United States has your back. Doctoring, the act of making different in order to deceive, tamper with, falsify, or adulterate. Converting and processing a video isn't tampering or falsifying. That's not doctoring. That's not doctoring. This is doctoring. They sped up Jim Acosta's hand movement to make it look more violent. Yeah, here's the screenshot from the edit in Sony Vegas proving it was not sped up. If it was sped up, there'd be wavy lines in the track. They're on because it wasn't sped up. And you see, like, they it sped up his hand. Yeah, I sped up his hand so much that literally two minutes before you said that, you played a clip where his hand moved even quicker. But I sped it up, okay. New York Times. The video was sped up. BuzzFeed. There's no evidence that the video was deliberately sped up. Give me a break. Here's the comparison of the doctored video with the original. It looks virtually identical. Does anything here look like it was done to tamper, falsify, or adulterate? No. Because it wasn't doctored. That's not doctoring. Elizabeth Loftus says the videos are, quote, totally different. Really? Watch the comparison again. Do these two videos look totally different to you? Or is Elizabeth Loftus a liar? The part where he says, pardon me, ma'am, they cut the audio out. Yeah, there's no audio in the entire clip, Jimmy, because the original was a GIF image. And GIF images don't have audio because it's not a video file. It's an image file. That's not doctoring. Jim Acosta clearly never touched that White House intern. That's just a lie. Yes, he did touch her. It's right there on tape. The tape that you literally just played. You know, I didn't uh, put my hands on her or touch her as they're alleging. Definition of touch. Come mm -hmm. into or be in contact with. Did Jim Acosta touch her? I didn't uh, put my hands on her or touch her. I didn't uh, put my hands on her or touch her. I didn't... Uh, Put my hands on her or touch her. But people watching Wednesday night's edition of Anderson Cooper wouldn't know whether Acosta touched her or not because they didn't play the part where Acosta touched her. So I'm the mm -hmm. one being accused of editing a video to mislead. Then CNN takes the very same video and edits out the part where he touches her. The only thing being doctored here is your narrative. Jim Acosta clearly never touched that White House intern. That's just a lie. That's just a lie. That's just a lie. That's just a lie. To discredit a reputable journalist, she's the White House press secretary. She should be fired for that. Yeah, you literally just lied to millions of people <laughs> about the content of a videotape. That's just a lie. Now you're saying Sarah Sanders should be fired for lying about the content of a videotape, which she didn't. You should be fired. Remember, these are the same mouthpieces that spent weeks claiming Brett Kavanaugh a assaulted a woman. Yet when there's clear evidence of Jim Acosta at least accosting a woman, they all suddenly develop temporary blindness. Jim Acosta clearly never touched that White House intern. Goes and, <laughs> that is terrible. Yeah. Or it would be if it weren't fake news. The fact that the White House press secretary is promoting this doctored video is reprehensible. Yeah, it's so doctored, Stephen. You literally played the same clip two minutes before saying this. Again, it's not doctored. It lost a couple of frames after conversion and compression. That's not doctoring. That's not doctoring. It's <laughs> zoomed in and slowed down. 
Every single one of your lamestream fucking media firms at some point or another has aired a story where they've done this. That is not doctoring. It's not misrepresenting the fundamental content of the video. It's simply focusing on the important element of that video and slowing it down so people can get a better idea of what happened. That's not film doctoring. Oh, and what's this? First, Vice reports that it's a doctored video. Then they talk to two separate forensic experts who say... It's not doctored. Forensic expert. There is no evidence the White House video of Jim Acosta was doctored. Hani Farid, who studies digital forensics, human perception, and image analysis at the University of California, Berkeley, told Motherboard, which is Vice, that he does not think the video was doctored. Though he agreed that the entire video was, of course, slowed down and zoomed in to focus on the moment of physical contact, he does not see any evidence to suggest that it was selectively edited to exaggerate Acosta's motion. Because, again... It's not doctored. That's not doctoring. I can't speak to the origin of the video except to say, I know where it started. It started right in that room over there when everyone saw it. It doesn't matter who puts it up, who posts it. It doesn't matter the speed at which the video is seen. It doesn't matter the angle. The question is, at the core of this, and this is why Jim Acosta lost his credential, did he touch her or not? The video is clear he did. He did. Donald Trump Jr. So are we just supposed to act like the media didn't completely make up and spread an insane conspiracy theory about the White House doctoring a tape? How's that disappear from the news so fast? We've truly entered some kind of delusional dystopia. When to distract from Acosta's behavior, the media launches a giant hoax claiming, one, that Acosta never touched her when he clearly did, and two, that a video which loses a couple of frames or has frames added because of compression, they can't even make their minds up which it is, means that it was a doctored video. That's not doctoring. It wasn't a doctored video. They call me a conspiracy theorist while themselves promulgating a monumental conspiracy theory. CNN, Washington Post, TechCrunch, Vox, New York Times, NBC, and hundreds of other publications, all breathlessly asserted, with zero fact-checking whatsoever, and none of them even reached out to me for comment, that I, the White House, or someone else had doctored a video that wasn't doctored, just so they could portray Trump as deceitful and rash for suspending Acosta's press access. The only deceitful and rash parties in this entire situation were you. You literally claimed Acosta never touched her when it's right there on tape. Jim Acosta clearly never touched that White House intern. That's just a lie. That's just a lie. That's just a lie. That's just a lie. I didn't uh, put my hands on her or touch her. I didn't uh, put my hands on her or touch her. I didn't... Uh, put my hands on her or touch her. Why do you think your trust is plummeting? Why do you think people don't like you when this is what you're willing to stoop to time and time again? The tape wasn't doctored, the tape wasn't misleading. I didn't manipulate it. The only manipulation here was you lot lying to and manipulating your own audience. So, there's that. Wow. So, the... Jim Acosta goes on TV and says, I never touched her. Mm -hmm. Yet you can watch the actual video from CNBC or whatever. Right. Uh, the original, where he pushes her hand down with his hand. Mm -hmm. Touched in her when she's doing her job trying to take the microphone. Then you have Jimmy Kimmel and all these other people go on and say, he never touched her because Jim Acosta said he never touched her. Right. But he touched her. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So... Well, the only defense I can play for this guy is when I touch something, I touch it with the inside of my hand. 
he touched her with the outside of her hand or his hand and the palm, the bottom part of his palm when he pushed her down. So he didn't physically grab onto her and molest her. That's not. But there's still physical fucking contact. No, it's touch. I know. I know. I'm just saying. I was trying to play his house. There's no way to even argue for him. I can't. But I tried. The, the blatant lying. Yes. And, and hoping misrepresenting that, the that people just don't go look for themselves. Mm-hmm. It's mind-numbingly irritating. So anybody that wants to sit here and say, oh, Trump, you know, he's he's hurting the media by saying they're fake news. No. This is why they're fake, fake news. news. And this is why he says they're fake news. Because they lie. So, yes, this is stupid. Thing, but but this is a perfect example of you want to see how dumb of shit that they'll lie about. Here you go. Mm-hmm. So you think if, if if they're so blatant to lie about him touching this girl who was just doing her job, right? You don't think they would lie about much bigger, more important Absolutely. things? Yep. Okay. If I haven't made my point clear to listeners right now. I hate to do it on this show, be on the first episode, but kill yourself because you're too <laughs> fucking stupid to be in society. They lie. That's what they do, and that's how it is. So let's start using our fucking brain, common sense, and logic again. Yes. Yes? Yes, agreed. 100%. Okay. Dave, what do you got? Well, we talk about it on several other shows, and I'm sure our listeners have seen Making a Murderer 1 and now Part 2. Um, I live in Wisconsin, and the election was real-time, like, what, a week and a half ago? I had made the decision, after watching the first part, and now definitely solidified it in the second part, that I will not be, or did not vote for Brad Schimmel, Attorney General. Um, The very next day after that, I had seen on his new lawyer, uh, Catherine Zellner, for Steve Avery, um, a post, and it, I believed it was from the uh, Chicago Tribune. That remember, remember the day? It was the day after, so it would have been the 7th. Okay, so I have a scroll. She, she tweets a lot. She does, like 14 times a, a minute. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But uh, there's an article that was, I, I believe was the Chicago Tribune that stated that uh, they were claiming Netflix, the show, and Zellner was claiming responsibility for the reason why Brad Schimmel did not get reelected. And I, right there, scroll up. It was right after the coffee one, I think. Are you sure? Cause I thought I saw it. Uh, scroll up a little more. Scroll up. Yep, right there. Yep. Our series influenced the midterm elections. Yeah, right there. That's okay. Cool. Um, so she tweets out. This is November 13th. Oh, maybe she did it a second time. <clears throat> Until we abolish absolute immunity for prosecutors and qualified immunity for police officers, wrongful convictions will continue to show the hypocrisy of American justice. Uh, and the... She had a picture here. The headline is, Our Series Influenced the Midterm Elections. Let's see. The lawyer at the heart of Netflix's Making a Murderer tells Chris Harvey how far the ripples from the true crime tale have spread. Oh, man, I wish we could... I wish we could read that whole thing. It's but really I, small. I totally agree with that. Like I said, I know a couple other people that said they would not vote for Brad Schimmel simply because of his portrayal of the events in Making a Murder. Um, I was talking to my mom the other day about this, literally yesterday, and she said there's no way that's possible, that that show couldn't influence that many people. I said, oh, you haven't yeah. seen it. 
she hasn't seen part one or part two. She's only heard myself and my sister talk about it. And I told her, I was like, you need to take a few days and seriously watch that. And you'll see why I believe that Netflix can influence the, the voters. Um, because of like, so in the Brandon Dassey case, if you if you haven't followed along, he, they appealed it in Wisconsin and the appellate court judge said, yep, I believe that his, his, uh, confession was involuntary he needed to be released and he set a date like two days or three days or whatever, a week or whatever it was and literally the day he was supposed to be released the attorney general brad schimmel put an emergency stay of execution putting a block on him getting out that day in which case then forced brandon dassey's attorneys to then do the 12th i think it is it seventh circuit or 12th circuit judge in chicago i can't remember which one it was I don't remember. It's one of those two. I'm not too up on that. But one of the two, so they had to go there, plead their case on the day of whatever day it was, and they had three judges they had to plead their case through. The the prosecution, which is the state of Wisconsin, and Brandassi's uh, defense attorneys were there arguing their case. They won there, where a two-against-one two judge uh, verdict basically said, yep, we're going to hold the the Wisconsin appellate court's decision as high, you need to release this kid. Release him. They gave him another 48 hours or whatever. 30 minutes before he was released, Brad Schimmel once again puts on his high and mighty cloak and said, you know what? Nope, not going to happen, buddy. You're staying in jail. And his his reason is, well, I'm taking the victim's family into account for this, and I'm it would be a devastating blow to the family if this convicted killer gets left free. Dude, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Is what I'm saying. Did he did he look at the case? I don't think he looked at anything. I think I honestly think this is a political move on Brad Schimmel's part. He took their word at the beginning when he first got arrested 18 years ago, or the fuck, however long it's been now, and said, "Yep, all right, you guys are my cops. I trust you. Did your job, guys. Guilty. Awesome job. We're I'm backing you 100 percent." And he's been backing him 100 percent, and now it's been so long that. They can't say to save face. They have to keep fighting it to keep him in jail. Because if they admit wrongdoing or let him out, the one the amount of money that they're going to have to pay this kid and the family for you know oh, wrongful man. imprisonment. Um, not only that, but look at the backlash on every single cop and attorney, prosecutor, everything that was involved in any case since that time and beforehand. Basically, can be thrown out and or um, seen as tainted. So which the, opens up Avery's case, correct? With that and however many more, you know what yeah. I mean. So the backlash alone is the reason to me the and, reason why they're staying on the cases. Nope, we can't let them out. And if that's the case, and Dassey gets out, which then removes his testimony from Avery's case, tes- mm-hmm. Avery gets retried, and then there's no evidence showing that Avery was involved either. He gets out. Not only financially is the state of Wisconsin screwed, but now you don't have a murderer anymore. Right. <laughs> so your whole thing yeah. for 20 fucking years, fucked. Yeah. So, and, and to be honest, if Brad Schimmel really cared about the victim's family like he says he did, he would actually look at this case and say, you know what? Shit's not right. We need to reach, we, we need to reopen this investigation. Let these two guys go. And uh, find the real killer, because that's what it's all about, is finding the real killer. That's all I want. I want to know who really did it, too. Yeah. Um, the parents of the family, that's all they cared about. Now, they were fed the lies and the bullshit from the cops, if they weren't on, on themselves. 
And they're like, yeah, we're good with that because uh, Avery is a douchebag. So we're just going to blame him and we're cool with that. We're going to move on because we don't want to deal with it for us for lives. It very well could have been that the cops said, look, man, we don't have a, we have no evidence. We have no idea who killed her. We don't even know where she is. We don't even know she's dead. But we've got this low life piece of shit and his nephew. We could probably just frame them. If you cool that, then you can move on with your life. They probably said, all right, cool. Let's do it because we want to move on yeah. with our life. It's ridiculous. You know, I think it's, it's all horseshit. I feel bad for. Both parties involved, you know what I mean? Because um, have you seen all of Making Murder 2 yet, no? Yourself? No. All right. About, I think we're made at two or three episodes. All right, so you haven't got to the fight scene yet. There's a fight now between, well, at least there was during the show, uh, between Avery and his sister. Yeah. You know, a gigantic fight. And why? Because now there's evidence pointing that it could be the other brother, not Brandon, the other one. And possibly the step stepfather, which then, of course... She's, you know, the sister saying, no, it wasn't. They have nothing to do with it. You know, my brother didn't do it. My sons didn't do it. Nobody in our family did it. Blah, blah, blah. Well, we don't really know at this point. There's evidence showing that it's a very good possibility that they could have. Yeah. You know, um, but I, so I wanted to bring that up because I think it's interesting that a TV show, even though people, it is very one sided, I totally get it's one sided. They can't do the other side because it would point the blame towards the cops and it would show all the bad things that the cops did. I anticipate, or what I would like to happen, is with this new attorney general, when he takes office, he actually looks at the case, decides, yep, we're going to let these two guys out. We're going to pay whatever umpteen gazillion dollars that we owe them. We're going to apologize to them. We'll help them relocate to another city. Maybe put them in the witness relocation, you know, witness protection or something like that. And then he goes and actually goes after his cops that were dirty. You know, I think that would be cool. It's really and what then, needs to happen. Then we can see a... a, a a third part in which they actually start looking at all the cases that the other cops did. The the prosecutor, what the hell is that guy's name? Katz, Ken Katz or whatever. Kratz. Kratz, Katz, douchebag, whatever he is. Um, I think he needs to see the inside of himself for a long time. If not, like the electrical cure. I'm cool with electrical cure. Oh, man, the way he talks this little. Yeah, I just I really don't like him at all. Oh, it's so fresh. You know, I, I decided I, I wanted to do that press release because uh, I wanted to blow, no, no. soften the you're blow for the family. It, you're not doing it gay and yeah, and, and quiet and yeah, yeah. and I'm so innocent and uh, just a little pussy yeah. boy. Yeah. It's so fucking irritating. I would uh, strangle the guy. I just. Everything let, about let me, that let me guy. read this. This is from lawandcrime.com. Yeah. Uh, posted on November 7th, the day after elections. A few people out there seem to think that the timed release of Making a Murder Season 2 influenced Wisconsin's elections. Republican Governor Scott Walker lost to Democrat Tony Evers, and Republican Attorney General Brad Schimmel lost to Democrat Josh Call. So there's the Schimmel. Mm -hmm. So now Josh Call is taking over. All right. The results interestingly mirrored the advocacy of Making a Murder defense attorneys Jerry Buting and Steve Dreisen. Even though the works and even though he works and apparently lives in Illinois, Dreisen has publicly advocated support for the Wisconsin Democrats, who some followers of the case believe will be amenable to pardoning or at least critically examining the convictions of Stephen Avery and Brendan Dassey. Walker refused to pardon the two convicted killers, and Schimmel's Department of Justice fought against attempts to release Dassey or grant new hearings for Avery. Uh, Dreisen tweeted that he voted November 3rd, presumably as an absentee, and wished he could have voted for Evers. Obviously, because he votes in Illinois. Right, right. Uh, wished he could have voted in Wisconsin. Um, let's see here. It just shows tweets from uh, both Butin and Dreisen. 
Um, did I miss? Oh, right here. Buting did not waste any time celebrating the wins of his preferred candidates. And he tweets out uh, that Walker's losing, Schimmel's losing. Um, nor did he waste time in issuing what he believes should be the incoming administration's agenda. So uh, his, uh, Buning's idea of what Wisconsin should do, says your reform era begins now. One, dismiss lawsuit challenging Obamacare. Two, fix roads decaying under Walker. Three, reduce prison population. Four, investigate culture of corruption in Manitowoc County. Nice. Number five, open files from TH investigation. Teresa Hallback. Yep. Six, reverse SA and BD convictions. Stephen Avery and Brenda Dassey convictions. So, number six on the list. Other people on Twitter reacted accordingly. And uh, everybody pretty much, not everybody, can't say everybody, but a lot of people agreed. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's curious here is whether the film actually did influence the election. The Milwaukee Journal Sentinel reported that the big issues in Wisconsin's AG race involved the experience of the candidates, the speed of evidence testing, and Schimmel's lawsuit to overturn the Affordable Care Act. Reporters with whom this writer worked years ago in Wisconsin and who still work in that state indicated that they do not believe the film received much attention from Wisconsin voters, many of whom are comfortable with the convictions. Which I did find that interesting because they do show a lot of those people that are fully on board with the the guilty conviction of both of them in making a murder too, just like the first couple episodes. Right, they right. show that. Um the Journal Sentinel noted that incoming AG Josh Call is the son of former AG Peg Lautenschlager. Oh, sounds like a beer. Lautenschlager's Department of Justice was involved in the original investigation of the disappearance of Teresa Halbach and the arrest of both Avery and Dassey. The DOJ under Lautenschlager dispatched reinforcements to assist with the criminal investigation and with the subsequent trials of Avery and Dassey. At least one of the original prosecutors from Lautenschlager's tenure, Tom Fallon, remains on the case. Most career prosecutors are not swayed by the political trends of their superiors. Uh, Their superiors, while uh, nominally partisan, are also bound by the law. Regardless of whether they look at the convictions or not, Call and Evers are now likely to play critical managerial roles in the cases which captivated global audiences. So that's some information I didn't know. Um, but it, it wouldn't have changed my vote unless now, of course, Josh is the same as Brad, then I'll vote to get his ass out as well. You know, yeah. I could see him, I could see him doing one of two things. One, taking his mom aside because it was under mom's jurisdiction at the time. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm backing my mom a hundred percent or two. I don't want to be my mom's shadow. I'm going to look into the shit and say, yep, my mom fucked up. And I'm going to fix it. I'm making a name for myself. I really hope it's that one. Yeah. That's the thing. Like. Makes you wonder, because yeah. neither one of these guys could do anything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait and see. We will. What's that up there? What's up a little bit more? What's that? This? Oh. oh it's just how you can write to gotcha. Avery. Um, so, yeah, it, it's interesting. Uh, very curious if you don't, if you have Twitter, you should definitely follow a Kathleen Zellner. Mm-hmm. This is Avery's current attorney. It's at Zellner Law on Twitter. I definitely think if you're at all interested in this, 
Oh, should we go through what she's got going she's, on? Here? Yeah, she did a Q and A the other day. Um. So this is what she she starts out with. Uh, making a murder watchers listen up. I'm going to walk you through what I've learned through my investigation that you didn't see in the show. So if you've already watched Making a Murder two and one, this is what you uh, this is what she's learned that you didn't get to see through in the show. On October 31st, 2005, Scott Tadich visited Bobby at the Avery Salvage Yard around noon. Um, number two, after Teresa Halbach called the Dassey landline for directions, our suspect contacted her back with the Dassey address. Uh, Teresa arrived at the Avery Salvage Yard around 2.30, 2.31 p.m. on October 31st, 2005. Only Bobby and Steven saw her after completing her photo assignment. She left and turned west on Highway 147 around 2.38 p.m. Our suspect followed her. Steven was in his trailer. Number four, our suspect gets Teresa Halbach to pull over. She opened her car's rear cargo door to retrieve her camera, was knocked to the ground, and struck with an object. Number five, Teresa Halbach was put in the rear cargo area of the RAV4 and driven back to Avery Salvage Yard. Number six, Teresa Halbach's RAV4 was spotted leaving the Avery Salvage Yard with an unknown driver at 3.45 p.m. Interesting. That's new. This is noon, we know. Yeah. That's that's, that's new. Number seven, the RAV4 was left by the old dam west of Michicot on October 31st, 2005. Number eight, three witnesses saw the RAV4 up to November 4th, 2005. Then it was gone. So it sat there from October 31st to November 4th. Mm Mm-hmm. Number nine, recent investigations, recent investigation shows the RAV4 battery died, so it was replaced in order to move the RAV4 to the Avery Salvage Yard. Mm-hmm. Okay. Probably because the lights were left on or something like that, yeah. or, you know. Um, Teresa Hallbach's body was burned in a burn barrel. Dassey burn barrel had human bones. 60% of bones and 31 teeth missing. So they only had 40% of her bones. Yeah. Um, 31 teeth, that's pretty much all of them. How many Mm -hmm. teeth do we have? Uh, Number 12, a witness smelled a horrible odor of something burning in Manitowoc County gravel pit the evening of October 31st, 2005. Uh, Number 13, the Dassey garage was never luminoled or DNA tested. Bobby hung a deer in the Dassey garage on November 4th, 2005. Mm, interesting. Uh, number 14, Sakaiki note, body burned at smelter November 4, 2005, 3 a.m. Tadich worked the night shift at a smelter facility. His nickname is Skinny. Okay, number 15, Trees Hallbox electronics were not burned in Stevens' burn barrel. They were burned in Dassey's burn barrel. Hmm. Number 16, suspect knew Stevens' finger rebled on November 3rd, 2005, because he observed it. Mm-hmm. Number 17, suspect had access to Stevens' trailer to remove blood from the sink. Number 18, only our suspect knew the blood in the sink was Stevens and not Teresa Hallbox. This rules out the police. Mm. Okay. Okay. Number 19, suspect planted blood in RAV4 bones in Stevens' burn pit. And Teresa Hallbox Electronics and Stevens Burn Barrel. 
So we got some planting going on here. Mm-hmm. In conclusion, the killer is the person who had the access and opportunity to plant Stephen Avery's fresh blood in Teresa Hallbach's car. There you go. Nice. And then the next person to ask specifically, do you think it's this person? And they said they won't rule him out. Yeah. So, if you're at all interested in this show, definitely go follow Catherine Z- yeah. Kathleen Catherine Kathleen Zellner on Twitter. It's at Zellner Law. Um, and there you go. So it's interesting. I do think. Uh, I know that article said they don't think it. There's that it influenced the election. I think it did. I think it did too. Um, although, you know. Separate from making a murder, living close to Wisconsin, I didn't hear anybody ever say anything good about Scott Walker. Yeah, no. Uh, it's the same thing with Illinois. Nobody, like Bruce Rahner, nobody liked him either, which is why Pritzker got elected as opposed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it was kind of one of these things that, you know, you almost expected these to flop because when you don't do anything, People lose faith in you and vote you out, regardless of if, you know, you could be either party. And if you don't like what somebody's doing or if that person's not doing what they said they were going to do or don't do anything at all, you're gone. People will will vote against party if you're not doing anything. You have to fucking do something, you know? So um, So I'm I'm definitely keeping an eye on it because I want to know what happens as soon as they take office. Yeah. And that will happen uh, mid to late January, I believe. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how quick they, if they do anything at all. You know what I mean? Um, because you never know. This could actually backfire and be even worse for them. Right. They could really shut it down even more than was already shut down. Mm-hmm. It just depends now. I mean, it's it's a shrug moment and it's a wait, wait and see type thing. I think Avery still is the best attorney he could possibly have for this. Yeah, for sure. Um, but it seems like Dassey's kind of screwed at this point, unless, like, the governor or the attorney general step in and do something. Well, yes and no, because if, if Zellner gets a retrial for Avery and gets him out of the blue, then that pretty much would have to overturn Brandon's as well. Because in Brandon's confession, he said that, him and Avery raped her and beat her and stabbed her and, and Avery shot her. So if yeah, but none of those Brendan, things... He reached the point where he couldn't do any more appeals Right, or he anything. can't do any more at this point. But yeah, so now basically Avery has to have something have, happen yep. in order for Dassey to have something happen. Correct. It can't be the other way around. Dassey can't be the reason Avery... You know what I mean? So... Um, anyways, I think those are three news ditties that, uh, people should uh, look into and understand, try and have an open mind. Um, Yeah, absolutely. You know, each one of these shows will be something a little different and it'd be something that's kind of current that we want to get off our chest that, uh, needs to be kind of current. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that'll do it for today. Thanks, Cunt. Yeah, let's go with that then.
Please subscribe to the Detour Podcast Network on iTunes and don't forget to rate and review while you're there. You can also download the Stitcher and Podbean app to your device for free and search Detour Podcast Network and subscribe. If you enjoy listening to the shows on the Detour Podcast Network, then spread the word to everyone you know. Your word of mouth is our best advertising method and we appreciate your support. Thanks for listening.